everybody. How y'all doing? Anyone get rained down on the way in? A little bit? Sprinkling out there, maybe? Yeah? The plants need it. I'm a gardener, so I'm really excited about that. Um, welcome to Watershed. We're so glad to see you today. Uh, this is just uh, such an exciting day that we get to celebrate Jesus again, right? God so loved the world. I love this passage. This is um, from the book of Ephesians. And this is the New Living Translation. It said, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he planned to do, and it gave him great pleasure. And I heard that this week, and I was like, yeah, that's my God. He's so excited. It gave him great pleasure to bring me into his family, to save me and rescue me. And that's the truth for all of us in the room today. Amen? Well, welcome to Watershed. We're so glad uh, to see everybody this morning. Would you just take a minute to stand and greet the people around you? If you need a question of the day, ask the neighbor around you how long they've been coming to Watershed.
as we continue in our worship service today, we're going to sing about the great things that our God has done. Um, so we just invite you to continue standing with us as we sing this song out together. We sing about his mighty works. God has done great things for us. Maybe if our technology works.
All right, let's fold our hands and bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us all here together today to worship you. Thank you that it's the beginning of summertime, and um, thank you for all the blessings you've given us. Amen. You can tell it's summer when there's like eight kids. <laughs> Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Aaron, campus pastor here at Watershed, or as many of you know, Aaron. So feel free to call me either, but glad to be able to worship together uh, with you this morning. I want to just highlight a couple ministry things going on here around campus, around the Hardawike campus. If you're not familiar, we have three worshiping communities that make up Hardawike Celebration. They've already worshipped. They started at 9 o'clock over in the Red Brick. Um, then we yeah, got us at 9.45, and at 10.30, Fusion uh, is back in the Red Brick building. So, uh, but uh, as we've gathered together, we're one big church family. One thing we got going on this week is on June 14, which is, I believe, Wednesday, uh, second through fifth graders. Uh, I'm not going to tell you who's a second grader right now and who's a fifth grader, because that is the great debate. Once you're done and leave the building... Have you now moved from third grade to fourth grade? Have you moved from fifth, right? This happened at the function on Friday night. Are you now a sixth, are you still a sixth grader? Are you a sixth grader now a seventh? I mean, it's so, it's a debate. We'll let you know. We're doing tie-dye, cadets, gems, uh, good night, right at the pavilion, which is right next to the building. Um, It looks like we're going to have a beautiful day uh, currently with a weather forecast. So if that's something you want to do and join us, uh, we'd love to have you. Uh, The next thing I just want to make mention of is we have a mission trip team right now down in Honduras. They have arrived there. They are there. They're serving at Abundant Life Christian School, and uh, they are working on building a classroom. So if you can keep that team, that Honduras team, in your prayers, continue to keep Abundant Life. Uh, Jake and Rachel Campan, they they help run the school. They are missionaries that we support. So uh, just, again, Keep them in your prayers this week. Uh, They need it. Our team needs it. And just pray that everything goes nice and smoothly. Finally, uh, we are in a series on prayer. Uh, Teach us to pray. Uh, There's a book I picked up a while ago, Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. Um, Anytime there's the term fool in a title, that's a book I'm probably going to read. So... um, No, Tyler Statton um, writes this book, and in it, it's, it's kind of a prayer practice guide. So he talks about, shares his own experiences, and then invites you to practice prayer. Like I mentioned last week about prayer, you can read all kinds of books about it, but at the end of the day, pray. Pray where you are. Live into it. Um, but I'm going to be reading this book this summer. If you're interested in reading it, uh, along with me, getting a copy, uh, you grab it on Amazon, you can grab it on Christian Book, um, and come talk to me, let me know, and we can get together a couple times throughout the summer and catch up and just say, hey, how's it going? How, 
I don't have any great grand plans on a weekly gathering. We know that really doesn't go well in the summer <laughs> with people's schedules. Um, but if we can get together a few times, we can share a little life, talk about, um, you know, how are we engaging God in prayer? And, and if you need a little help, um, I don't know about you, I do. You know, I've grown up in the church my whole life. And this series uh, about engaging God through prayer is as much for me as it is me talking with you. Because uh, like what we're going to talk about today, to start the Lord's Prayer especially, our Father, um, that's not just the beginning point. It's where we're going to end up one day. We're going to see God face to face. So we're praying into something. We're learning. We're growing. So if, if you're interested in, you know, reading a good book, knowing some other people are going to read it along with you, and then have a couple conversations, chill conversations, probably at my house. Um, so if you want to know where I live so you can teepee it, no, please. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, come, come find me. Uh, I can help you again, get a hold of that. But just thought, hey, fun way to spend, spend and share some life together and engage God together if you're interested. So with that being said, let's pray, and then we're going to dive into the message this morning. God, we sung this morning that you love this world, um, that you gave us your one and only son to save us. Father, as we hear this morning, Jesus, you, you taught us to pray, our Father. Before anything else, our Father. God, we know it's not because you're male, female, anything like that. You're spirit. We know this. But Jesus reminds us to pray our Father first because it reminds us of uniquely who you are. Not what you are, it's who you are. Your character your quality. God, you've done great things. We've sung those words. We run to you because we know your arms are open wide. There's forgiveness and there's mercy and there's grace. God, we don't have to worry about cleaning ourselves up before we come to you. We can just come to you as we are. And that invitation remains open. Because it's when we find you, when we dive into your arms, that's where we begin to understand what forgiveness is. That's where we be un begin to understand what life really is. That's where we understand where our hope is and our help is. And God, there's a lot of folks who need hope and help. Brothers and sisters in our church community that are dealing with cancer. Lord, and, and continuing to fight it whether it's dealing with multiple kinds, whether it's dealing with it again after multiple times. Uh, we have a brother Anthony who's in need of a heart transplant and a kidney transplant. We have others this week who, who've needed surgery. We have others who feel alone. God, we have others who are struggling with guilt and shame because of the things hidden in our hearts and in minds. God, that's just in our church community. I can't help but think about our West Michigan community. Folks are searching for, looking for meaning at the end of the hundredth well that's run dry. 
for, for folks who, maybe because they look different or act different, do so because they never felt like they fit and are looking for somewhere and some way to belong. Lord, there continues to be divides in our community over politics and issues. Those divides come into our tables and our families. There's divides between churches, Lord, because of the way we go about things. Because of not the essentials, but oftentimes the non-essentials that we, we struggle to give some grace in and some room for. Lord, we pray these things this morning because we need you. At the end of the day, we all need you. We were created by you, and in you we have our life. And yet Satan's greatest tool, God, is to bring us away from you. Whether it's simply to distract us, to bring us into hurry and worry, or it is to prolong, God, what you're working, to keep fighting against something you're doing. Father, we need you. So we pray. We pray because your son, Jesus, told us, pray. We pray because Jesus is now standing on your right hand. Jesus, you're speaking on our behalf. You're fighting for us. God, thank you that you never leave us, you never forsake us, that you're always fighting for us and for our best, whether we see it or not. God, speak your truth to us this morning. Holy Spirit, Spirit, you were there when the Bible was crafted, when the words of Scripture were formed in every story. You were the breath breathing these words, making them real, helping them come alive. You were the one working within the stories and around the stories. You were the one who gave us God's story. So help us understand it today. Help me to communicate it the best a fallible human being can. And do what only you can do. Change our hearts, shape our hearts, breathe life into our hearts so that ultimately, God, we can once again know your freedom, we can know your friendship, and we can know your rest, your peace. God, we love you, we thank you, we praise you. In the name of Jesus and all God's children said, amen. So with this sermon series this summer, being on the Lord's Prayer, uh, every week we're going to engage the Lord's Prayer a little bit different. Whether we sing it, whether we look at parts of it, um, or we pray it together, uh, this morning I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to do something a little different, Watershed. We're going to stand. Um, and I'm going to turn around and I'm going to make, just so that I make sure I'm saying the exact same words you're saying with me, but let's together say the words of the Scripture that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Talked about last week, these words are not a mantra for us. Right? These aren't words for us simply to recite or to pray somehow to perform. They're words to help guide us right, into a relationship. Last week I talked about that when the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, Jesus said, okay, I'm going to invite you into a relationship. More than anything else, and we're going to see that very clearly today when we focus on the words, our Father. That's our focus today, two words. Like this goes very different than 31 weeks when we journeyed through this story this, this, this year. Like when we journeyed through the story, we were taking books of the Bible, multiple books at a time. Now we're doing two words at a time. Yeah, we can change it up. <laughs> but this morning, when we think about our Father, I go back to last week, and it's a relationship, right? That when we pray, why we pray is because we get to have a relationship with the God of the universe. And not only do we get to have a relationship, there was another R word, and that was a resource. That we have access to the greatest resource that exists in this world and outside of it. Now I'm going to be careful because otherwise I'm going into next week. But this morning when we say our Father, I wonder what we mean. I wonder what you think of. And, and let me even take a step back from there. When you pray, who do you pray to? Who do you pray to? Are you manifesting something into the world when you pray? You're simply going, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to make something happen in the world. How many, you, that's around, right? Might have heard friends, maybe family. Neighbor, uh, you know, we're going to manifest something into the world because we, it, maybe it's a wish, right? Are your prayers a wish or a win? Do you pray to the cosmic benefactor, just waiting to hopefully do good in your life, and if the cosmic benefactor doesn't, you'll go looking for some other benefactor? When you pray, is God an idea, a theological construct? simply a bunch of words about God. That's theology, words about God. Is it just an idea? Who do you pray to? Do you pray to the universe? Right? How often when maybe a, a sports athlete, right? We're, let's just put good thoughts out into the universe. Who do you pray to? Nancy Mayers uh, says this. She says, who one believes God to be is most accurately revealed, not in any credo, any creed, any I believe statement, but in the way one speaks to God when no one else is listening. Let me read that one more time. Who one believes God to be is most accurately revealed, not in any credo, but in the way one speaks to God when no one else is listening. Who are we talking to? Because Jesus, when he, he says, the disciples come, teach us to pray. What are the first words that he says? Our Father. That Jesus says, when you pray, when we say our Father, we are speaking about a very particular God. We're not talking about the universe. 
We're not talking about Allah. And you know what? In fact, when we pray to our Father, we're praying to even a little different understanding as our Jewish brothers and sisters. You know, when Jesus healed on the Sabbath and then called God Father, the religious wanted to pick up stones and kill him, John 5. (laughs) So for him to say our Father, it was actually kind of a radical idea. When we pray our Father, we are saying and we are praying to a very particular God. I want to take us back into the Old Testament, Psalm 103. As the psalmist writes and and guides us, uh, I want to see here these words of Scripture. That God, he made known his ways to Moses. There's God we pray to, our Father. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. As a father has compassion on his children, So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we're formed. He remembers that we're dust, right? He created us. The life of mortals, it's like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone. Its place remembers it no more, right? Life goes pretty quick. We're here one day, gone the next. But from everlasting to everlasting, you realize we were created for eternity. And in Christ, God remembers from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. And his righteousness, his rightness, with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. Later on, 1 John, John would write in 1 John verse 4, or 4 verse 8, would simply say, God is love. That when we pray, our Father, we're praying to a God of covenant. We're praying to a God who makes a relational move towards us, knowing we could never make that move towards him. We pray to a God who says, I choose to be with you no matter where you are, no matter where you've been, no matter where you even think you're going, but I'm going to be in relationship to you. That was his, his promise to Moses. That was his relationship to the people of Israel. Now, Jesus, because he was the fullness of Israel, steps in that place and says, oh yeah, let me tell you something. Not only has that God done that for Israel, but let me, I'm going to put a different face on it. Because in the Old Testament, God's referred to as Father 14 to 15 times. Kind of depends how you look at one of those texts. And it's not even really kind of directly, it's just the imagery of Father. And it's kind of one, one step removed. Because for our our Jewish brothers and sisters, God was this sovereign being who, listen, we can't even say his covenantal name. So the term Yahweh, we can't say. I mean, it's it's, it's a holy name, but while he's in relationship to us, he's untouchable. But now Jesus comes in the picture, God with skin on, and he goes, hey, listen, every time the primary way I refer to God is this, as Father. In the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he refers to God as Father, both his and ours, over 165 times. 165 plus times. Says, oh yeah, that God of covenant? Let me unpack it a little bit more. That God of covenant is the God of love. 
And it's a God of connection and relationship. It's a God who says, listen, I am for you. I am with you. I may not always agree with you because as a good parent, sometimes we got to step in and keep our kids from doing some things they're not supposed to do. Right? We do that to protect them. Sometimes we got to let them do some things they, they ain't supposed to do because they got to they gotta understand <laughs> life. But at the end of the day, do my kids say, hey, Aaron, how are you today? Ain't no way. No. <laughs> okay, there's a little level of old school in me. Ain't no way. <laughs> Do they call me pastor? Well, of course. They call me reverend, actually. <laughs> yeah, Sam's laughing. Ain't happening. <laughs> no, the greatest privilege of my life is to be called that. You know what I'm talking about. The greatest privilege in my life is to know that my kids know they can come to me. They know before anything, and even though maybe something even happened, there's some, uh, some fear and trembling. I'm the one they do a little fear and trembling with. Kendra's like, yeah, we'll go to Kendra, no problem. <laughs> I want to be a little more like Kendra so that they're willing to, like, come on, come to me. It's okay. And I just want them to come to me. I'm always going to be fighting for them. I'm going to do everything I can to protect them. I'm going to do everything I can in my power to set them on a path, to lead them into life and away from it. One of the greatest privileges to be called dad. And Jesus says, by the way, when you pray to this God, this particular God, that's the relationship we get to have. Our Father. N.T. Wright, pastor, theologian, says, while it is the beginning point, to pray our Father is the end to which we're working towards for the rest of our lives. And I don't know about you, I certainly don't understand completely what it means to pray our Father yet. There are a lot of times where I pray to God as holy, almighty God. God, you're uncomprehensible. You know, I, get, I like words, so I get to play with a lot of words. <laughs> a lot of times, our Father isn't one of them. And I don't know, I, I, I think each day, I want to make that more of my prayer. Because I think each day, it's inviting me into a different story when I pray our Father. And that's really the second point of what Jesus is doing. That we not only have a particular God we're praying to, but we're praying into a particular story. Right? Not just a God who, who here, I'm one of a thousand. No, uh, I'm one, the one, who decided to show up with skin on. In John chapter 1, we hear this starting in verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, right? He remembers how we were formed, Psalm 103. And though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. We don't always recognize Jesus. That's who John is talking about. But Jesus, he, God, came to that which was his own. 
let's be honest, sometimes his own didn't receive him. Yet, verse 12, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's why we get to pray our Father. Right? Otherwise, it's just Jesus who gets to say it. Right? But no, if we believe in Christ, we have the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, no, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Apostle Paul, follower of Jesus, would go on to say this in Galatians 4. But when the time set, the set time, the kairos moment, this, this particular moment in the, uh, the whole story of God, right? when this time, this set time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem, to take back those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Another way to say that, we might become children of God. Because you are his sons, you are his daughters, right? You are his children, you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into, the, into our hearts, this spirit that calls out Abba, Father. So it's God who enables us to pray this prayer, our Father. And so what? You are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. Daniel Doriani in his commentary on, uh, on, on the Lord's Prayer writes this. He says, God's fatherly nature connects prayer to the gospel. Right? When we pray our Father, we're praying into a particular story, one in which you and I are adopted children of God. Not because we chose it, but because he first loved us. Right? God is love, 1 John 4. And what does it say? We love because he first loved us. Last week we celebrated baptism. In baptism we're reminded of that truth. That's the gospel we say over and over. We're heirs to the kingdom of God. We get to have what Jesus has because of him. Not because you were good enough today. Not because you performed properly. Not because you checked off all the boxes. Not because you believed all the right things. Because let's be honest, sometimes praying our Father is a little bit of a challenge. Maybe we have a story in our lives, an earthly Father, that doesn't mirror our Heavenly Father. Maybe we just have a parent who doesn't represent hasn't represented God well. And so to think of God as a parent is, is a struggle, is a trial. And God goes, you know what, that's okay. Pray our Father anyways. I want, I want, you, I want to invite you to pray our Father anyways because I'm not defined by them, right? We have a particular God. I'm not defined by the world. I'm not defined by anything else. I'm not even defined by your idea of me. I am self-defined. I am the great I am. I say who I am, whether you like it or not. And for us, that's a good thing. Because our particular story is one where he is good to us. After you read it from Ephesians. Right? He chose it. It was his plan to bring us into his family. To rescue us from our mistakes, our missteps. To rescue us from the things we don't even realize we do. To rescue us from separation of the one who intended to walk with us and talk with us. You know, in the garden, when God is, is he's, he's supposed to be Yahweh Elohim. So, the Lord God. 
Satan comes to Adam and Eve and calls him simply Elohim. Not Yahweh Elohim, not the covenantal relational God, just simply God. He removes our Father. Removes us from the one who loves us, who adopts us. To pray this prayer is radical. It's life-altering. It shapes us. It changes us. I'm going to bring up another guy, John Bloom. He writes on the Desiring God uh, blog. He says this, Unless you were raised in a different religious tradition, addressing God as our Father, like if you've been raised in the church, or even if you're familiar with the Lord's Prayer, addressing God as our Father probably doesn't strike you as a presumptuous, as something presumptuous or offensive. It probably sounds normal. (laughs) Something we may actually take for granted. Like calling our earthly paternal parent our father. Right? If we've lost our wonder over calling God our father, maybe it's time to recover it. If we've lost the, fa- the, the wonder of our father, maybe it's time to recover it. He says, God doesn't want us to relate to him as a mere subject relates to a king or as a mere sheep relates to its shepherd. Fundamentally, Right? This is both the particular God and the particular story. Fundamentally, he wants us to relate to him as a child relates to a loving, generous father who loves to give good gifts when his children ask him. As Michael Reeves writes, when a person deliberately and confidently calls the almighty father, it shows they have grasped something beautiful. And not just something beautiful, something fundamental about who God is and to what they have been saved. And oh, how that wins our hearts back to him for the fact that God, that God the Father is happy. I want you to hear this. That God the Father is happy and even delights to share his love for the Son with us and thus be known as our Father reveals just how gracious and kind he is. When we pray our Father, we pray to a particular God, and we pray ourselves into a particular story. When Jesus was baptized, he got to hear these words spoken over him. This is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Because of Jesus, those are the words that echo and can echo through our minds. That is the gospel, the good news for us. And so when we pray, we pray as a particular people. Notice how, I mean, there are many times throughout, and I'm not going to write a theological book on this of your father, our father. No, I mean, Jesus says your father a lot in Matthew 6. If you just read it, in your father and your father, right? But when he teaches us to pray, he says our father. And I wonder if there's something about our. That I don't get to possess God. He's not just mine. A lot of times you see this in the church. Oh, I've got a word from God and you all need to listen because I've got a word from God. That can be a very dangerous thing. Because guess what? What if somebody else who's been praying to God doesn't? You know what happens? 
We don't pray to my father. I don't have some, just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean like I have some special access. Nope. Because he's our father, by the way. I'm a child of God just like you're a child of God. A degree doesn't make me any more or less. If anything, it holds me more accountable. So don't get the degree. <laughs> he's our father. And I don't get the corner market. You don't get the corner market on God. You don't get to just say, hey, well, me and God, you know, so because guess what? You got to listen. No, he's our father. What we're going to hear in, in the Lord's prayer is forgive me and so that why? I can forgive you. Oh, because maybe when I'm going off, and, and sometimes we do in prayer. The Psalms give us permission to go off. It's okay, because in prayer, God helps us sort through a lot of things, right? He's a great resource in that. He helps us realize we're not the center of the world. He helps us feel compassion and mercy and receive help when we need it. He also corrects us. And sometimes who we're praying against might actually be praying the same prayer against us. Oh, it's our Father, not mine, not theirs. wonder how that shapes us. wonder how that can mold us if we said, you know what, God's not just simply mine, but he's ours. Because we're a body. It's hard for us in the Western world to understand this. We're not Eastern people. Eastern people were communal before they were individual. We are individually, individuals radically and occasionally communal when it's convenient. Yep, yep, I just made a statement on society. We can talk about it over coffee if you want. This R is there to form us and shape us. Why do I say that is because here's another prayer that Jesus himself prayed. In John 17, as he starts his prayer, he talks about the oneness that he has with the Father. And we are one. I want the world to know that we are one. And then he goes and talks about the, the actual disciples, those who are close to him. And he prays that they might be one with us and, and that you would hold them up in the world that they're facing. And then he goes on to pray for the rest of us who would come to one day believe in him. And here's Jesus' prayer for us as we are a part of a particular people. John 17, my prayer it's not for them alone, the disciples, but I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That when we pray our Father, it's something that shapes us as a community. It not only shapes us together, Hopefully it should be the glue, it should be something attracting us together, but it also then unites us into that oneness with God. Because of Jesus, we're, we're inseparably a part of life with God because he ascended to the throne and in flesh brought the flesh of humanity back with him. So God can no, long, no more forget his son than he can forget you or I. And he says, I want them to be one. May they be one. I've given them glory, the glory that you've given to me, right? That they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity, right? There's a process in there. There's a journey in there, but that they would keep coming together in unity with each other and unity with me. 
then the world will know, right? There's purpose in this. The world will know that you sent me and had loved them even as you've loved me. Because if they know that I love them, they're going to come into this oneness with each other and they're going to come into this oneness with me. So Father, I want those whom you've given to me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you've given me because you've loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, right Father, Though the world doesn't know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and I myself may be with them. To be one and to love. When we pray our Father, hopefully it's a reminder for us. We weren't meant to do life alone. We weren't meant to simply have a relationship with God alone. We were created for one another. Unity is a tough thing, but that they might be one. Guess what? We'll be one finally and fully when Christ returns. Until then, it is a process. <laughs> It's a process of figuring out what's essential, what's non-essential. It's a process of figuring out where to extend grace and mercy and where not to, where to speak truth, where to show grace, and how to live that out in, together at all times. <laughs> but we know that when we pray our Father, Jesus was intending that we not only join together as one, because that's a witness to the oneness we have in Christ. That's a witness to our oneness with God, a relationship that we have been invited back to. Brennan Manning says this, if I'm not in touch with my own belovedness, right, with understanding I have a particular story, if I'm not in touch with my own belovedness, then I cannot touch the sacredness of others. It's hard to see the belovedness in someone else. Hurting people do hurtful things. I'm a test case. <laughs> I'm proof. I think we all are, right? But the more that the story of who this particular God is, this particular story we are invited into, and, and, and this kind of goal of being brought together, not only with each other, but brought together with God, can shape us, it's going to continue to invite us, as we say here at Watershed, into freedom found in the finished work of Jesus. Into a friendship that is the fullest, most life-giving, most intimate friendship and relationship you can ever have. It's being restored and reunited with your creator who knows you, who's formed you, who has rescued you, and wants to continue to breathe life in you. And we can have rest. We can find peace. Peace in Christ and peace in community together. Where we can stop performing. Stop posturing. We can stop pouncing our accolades around so that we can be celebrated. We can just be people who are on a journey trying to love Jesus. Saying, let's do it together. God's arms are open wide. Jesus invites us to pray, Our Father.
I want to invite you into that same prayer. No matter where you've been, no matter where you are, no matter where you think you're going, pray our Father. And let God shape for you your idea of who he is. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. Jesus, thank you. Thanks for making God fully accessible to us. And not just making God fully accessible. But for giving us everything that's yours. And Father, for looking at us through your Son, for giving us the love you give to him, you give to us. Thanks for adopting us and making us heirs of your kingdom. Children so loved. Father, I don't know what it means completely to say our Father. For crying out loud, I am a dad. And I still don't even know what it completely looks like. But I do know this. As I've learned more about who you are, your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your life, your love, your beauty, your kindness, your patience, even your discipline, I know I want to know you more. The beginning of how we pray, Lord, is the end of where we'll be one day. Getting to sit as kids, calling you Abba, Daddy, calling you dearest Father, knowing that there is nothing you wouldn't do for us because we are loved by you and you are love. So God, thank you. Make that truth even more real for us. Help us to have the courage to pray those words and to rest into the, the particular nature of who you are, to be reminded of the story, and then for us, not only as individuals, but as a community, to be shaped by it. We pray these prayers and many more in Jesus' wonderful name. All God's people said, amen. We invite you to stand with us as we sing the song of response. It's a, a song that helps us remember that our, our God is our Father and he is good and perfect in all of his ways. So we'll sing this out together. Oh,
that's the good news. You are beloved child of God, rescued and redeemed right now as we speak. You were before you walked in. You are when you leave. Jesus says, we have a father. That's the good news. Go with this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance, his smile upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's children said, Amen. Go in peace. If you want to, uh, don't mind stacking a few chairs, we certainly appreciate.